You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Score! Johnny Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. Riley stayed on side. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped is in the corner. All right, here we go. Episode 55 of the Leafs podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at B McCarthy 95, at Leafs Pod, at Hockey Pod Nets. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. And to give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free to play pools every day of the basketball playoffs offering players a free shot at up to 10 grand in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is it's free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to the pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. It's this simple. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to the DraftKings pool page to get your free shot at huge crash cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Joined by Brendan McCarthy, episode 55. Who you got for the number 55 on your Toronto Maple Leafs? Jason Blake, Kenny. Jason Blake. Jason Blake, stud. I just want to refer to a quick text exchange before Ken and I started recording. Kenny dropped a G2G acronym which I haven't seen or been texted, (laughs) 
Probably since like MSN days, <laughs> and I loved it. Gotta yeah. go. Good to go. <laughs> or good, good to go. Good oh to yeah, go. true. What am I saying? I guess you you can equate it to that too. So yeah, I'm gonna yeah. stop dropping that on people. Hey, listen, you. Sometimes you just gotta get back to your roots. I'm yeah, a little bit longer in the tooth than you. I used to uh, use a uh, AOL Instant Messenger. What AIM, is that, that dude? Was, uh, it was well, it was called AIM, <laughs> but it was in the it was basically the MSN equivalent in the United States of America. Damn, which is that where was... I spent uh, a number of my formative years. Was that pre oh five? Uh, yeah, probably around the same time. I was right. I was on there. I think when I was in um like middle school, like my freshman year, so ninth grade of high school. Um, it was pretty popular around that time. So that would have been uh, mental math. Yeah, probably around 2004. Oh, four, the glory days in Connecticut for Ken Stapon. Goodness gracious. <laughs> what, what a time to be alive. Brendan, the semifinals and the Stanley Cup finals are continuing to surprise with the storylines. Um, I don't think people are as surprised in the Islanders Tampa Bay series to see that series knotted up at one. Um, we know what the Isles are pesky to play against, the history between these two clubs last year in the postseason. But Montreal, with a massive, massive win in Game 3 over the Vegas Golden Knights in pretty convincing fashion going up 3 nothing in that game, uh, ultimately holding on you know, a couple of goals by Alex Petrangelo late to claw within one. But Montreal seemed to be in the driver's seat for 80% of this game against Vegas and get a very impressive win on the road to head back to Montreal with the series tied at one, one simply put Kenny, like Canadiens, the ability for this gritty team that has so much confidence now to sneak one out in Vegas. And as you alluded to Petrangelo potted a pair and Vegas made it, you know, tight towards the end. They hung on, Obviously, on the back of Carey Price and a possessed defenseman in Jeff Petrie, who is going to be up for the Norris, no doubt. And now they're going back to Montreal. And they're going to have even more fans. What, a thousand more fans than they did uh, in, in round one against Toronto? They're going to have like 4K. Now. Yeah, yeah. 3,500 to 4,000, yeah. Like, it was. it's a perfect situation for every player and, and Dominique Ducharme. You, you, you snuck out one. And that's all it needed to do. Fair game. Obviously, both series now are tied at one apiece. But if there was a team to, to sneak one out and even it up, a, a mandatory win, it's the Montreal Canadiens. And they did it. And they hung on. And it was a gritty, gritty, gritty win. In game one of the series, I know the final score is 5-1. It looks pretty bad. Montreal, I thought, was the better team in the first period of that game. And then Vegas kind of turned it on. You know, there's only so much that Price can do when that team gets engaged offensively, especially their defensemen who love to jump in with the rush. They're uh, super talented puck handlers. The majority of them all just massive, massive guys. I believe the smallest guy on their blue line is six foot one. So it shows you the size of uh, their back end. But there's not much that you can do when you're Montreal when that team kicks it into gear. I thought it was such an impressive bounce back to come out in game two just flying in the first period and establishing your style of play and imposing that on the other team, which has been the impressive part through this whole postseason is Montreal's ability to dictate the play. We know they can, how dangerous they can be when they get the lead and they're playing from ahead. Last night, they're able to establish a three, nothing lead. And although the scoreline three to two looks much closer, 
it really seemed like Vegas had all the air let out of their balloon when you go down three nothing at home in that game. Uh, Flurry, I didn't think played his strongest game. Kind of a couple of weird goals. Um, the Tafoli knuckler, I think, kind of uh, tricked him a little bit. He comes out for the poke check. Uh, I believe it was on Paul Byron. He comes out for the poke check, isn't able to execute it, and ultimately Byron gets a, an easy backhander up into the top shelf. Uh, not his strongest game, but certainly not his fault in the loss. And Vegas now finds themselves in a tied series heading back to Montreal where 4,000 fans could sound like 40,000. Absolutely. And they were buzzing. <laughs> they were buzzing in Vegas yesterday. Did you see that video? They were oh. just taking over, as they should. And, you know, you talk about a smooth transition for the youngster Cole Caulfield. I mean, this guy is the real deal. And, he's you know, you can you – can, Make a name in the regular season, but to to just easily go into the postseason like that, at his size, at his age, I mean, the maturity level just keeps growing for this kid. And he had a sweet assist on, I believe it was the Foley goal on the power play. And this is where, Kenny, you know, in the final four where you really start to get the, you know, we talk about it so much, but it is important, the veteran experience. Like, to Foley, you know, two chips with the Kings. Edmondson has a chip with the Blues. You know, Perry, like... This is where it really starts to materialize and and these guys really need to perform and they're doing so because they have that deep run experience. So this is really going to pay dividends, I feel, for the Montreal Canadiens as we head into Game 3 at the Bell Centre. And they were discussing this on Overdrive earlier this week. When you look at the last four teams that are left here in the NHL Final Four, all of them are big, heavy teams with yes. big, physical, like sizable back ends. You look at Montreal with Weber, Sherratt, uh, and then you look at you know Tampa Bay with you know Sergachev and you know quarterbacked by Hedman, uh, McDonough, like all big guys back there. The Isles decor, uh, they're all just sizable groups. Vegas, I had mentioned before, all of them are you know six foot one or taller. Um, I didn't even bring up Jeff Petrie for the Canadians. Like they're all just sizable, sizable back ends. And it's becoming a blueprint for what's successful in the postseason. Is they're big, they're hard to work around. So they take up a lot of room in the defensive zone, and they can really lean into you and make it difficult on the four checking team in the offensive zone. And speaking of defenseman Kenny, because one of the main talking points from the the other Final Four series, Islanders and Tampa, which goes tonight, Game 3, at Nassau Coliseum, which is going to be an electrifying crowd. The I'm going to ask you, because you're a former uh, you know, back-end top-four defenseman in Connecticut. What do you do in that situation if, you, if you're Adam Pellick when he, when he pushed Braden Point into Varlamov and the Lightning were, were dinged with a, a two-minute minor? I mean, no, ridiculous. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult situation. Um, obviously, when the result is your netminder gets run over, uh, it's it's tough because that's not obviously what the defenseman is trying to do in that situation because you don't want to be knocking out you know your number one netminder out of the game. Obviously, the result wasn't the most desirable, but it's it's difficult when you're playing from behind, especially against a talented player like Point. You're trying to run some sort of interference while still allowing you know, the player, you obviously don't want to take a penalty shot or anything like that. So it's kind of a fine line. Obviously the result is, is not very desirable, but you know, if you're, if you're Pellick, like you're probably going to be 
you know, trying to run interference on Braden points. Cause all you're thinking about is him putting the puck in the back of the net on that play. You aren't thinking about the potential end results that a little shove in the back or whatever is going to cause him to lose balance and ultimately end up running over your net minder. So it's a difficult position for Pelic to be in, but it's a, I think the results, I mean, like if you're the defenseman, you're going to probably try that play a number of times. And most of the time it's not going to end up with, you know, somebody careening over your net minder. And it's a last resort too. I mean, you, yeah. you put the stick you're, in. You're out, you're out of position. Yeah, you, know, you put the stick in. He's going to trip. He's just, he feels a stick. He's going to go down. So I guess it's a last resort for Pelic. He's kind of out of options at this at that point. Yeah, no pun intended. At that point, he was out of <laughs> options. No, it's it, the main idea would be obviously just to try to keep these guys in front of you. But sometimes you're going to get caught flat footed, and we get caught flat footed against a team like Tampa Bay or against any top players on any of these teams that are left, whether it's Caulfield, whether it's you know on the aisles, whether it's Matthew Barzell, any of these guys are going to be able to turn on the Jets and just make you look silly if you're not already having some momentum going in the opposite direction. So really you just try to keep the play in front of you in that situation. Obviously, Pelic, uh point was able to sneak around him, and the result is what it is. And now they find themselves in a 1-1 series heading back to as you said, Nassau Coliseum, which has been one of the most exhilarating home crowds so far in during this postseason run. The Isles fans show up in droves, and they are rabid. Dude, I, barn too. Dude, I, I honestly, I know we've talked about it before on previous pods. I can't wait to to go into the meat of that stadium wearing respective Leaf jerseys and just taking all the heat and edging out a victory in overtime for the Leafs. That would be ideal. But you and I would be, I mean, I think it would be even more heckling than we'd face in, you know, Boston or Ottawa, Ottawa or Montreal, really. Because, yeah. you know, dating back to that O2 series where Ty Domi knocked out Michael Pekka. Remember that? That is still, like, ingrained in their minds. And, of course, John Tavares. So those are the two big pillars, I guess, that have stirred Islanders fans crazy against us. I believe the goaltender in that series for the Isles was uh, Chris Osgood. Is that is that correct? I thought it was Di Pietro. Maybe not. I, th- I believe it was because uh, it was. I remember watching that series. It was just a head-to-head goaltending matchup. It was Cujo. I think it was Osgood in the net for the Isles. I could be incorrect. It was a long, long time ago. You guys can but check. I, I just remember. Uh, <laughs> I just remember watching that series and how physical it was. Like from game one, like straight through. I think the Leafs won in six, but it was just the, one of the most physical series I've ever seen, and also like one of some of the best goaltending I've seen in a postseason series on both sides. And then Michael Pekka was signed one year to the Leafs, I believe, the year after the 0405 lockout, and he suffered a similar leg injury and was I don't even think he played like 10 games in regular season. So that was a, a crushing blow to the Leafs trying to add some center depth and in, in a and a vet in Michael Pekka. But eh, anyway, let's move to another center, Kenny, because there was some news in Leafsland yesterday. Jason Spezza inking a one-year league minimum deal with the Buds for the third year in a row. And Dubis obviously checking off the number one priority on his offseason list. Yeah, P.S. It was uh, Chris Osgood. Uh, that game, that series actually went seven <laughs> games. And if you remember, oh, yeah, the, backup, the backup netminder for the Maple Leafs at that time, Corey Schwab. Schwab, sure. <laughs> Corey Schwab, the backup netminder for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This seems like a foregone conclusion, the signing of Jason Spezza. 
Uh, I say that because we noticed earlier this year when the Leafs put him available on waivers, Spezza's agent came out and basically said, if anybody picks this guy off waivers, like don't even bother. He's just going to retire. He wants to finish out his career as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Obviously, this is a guy who late in his career has made enough money that he's not concerned about the financial implications of where he's going to sign. He actually went so far as to say, um, I believe it was on a question from Mark Masters yesterday, uh, post him signing, that he would have taken less than the league minimum if he was capable of doing that. Uh, at this point in his career, it's obviously important to Spezza. The fit is important. He likes the fit in Toronto. The organization is important. He wanted to play in Toronto. And he thinks that this team has the opportunity to win something, which is primary for him at this point in his career as a veteran who hasn't been able to find that elusive cup as so many find themselves, so many great players find themselves late in their career. Uh, this guy, I believe has 970 points in his career. So no reason to believe that he won't be able to crack the thousand mark next, next year as a member of the Maple Leafs, if he's able to stay healthy, this signing just made so much sense across the board, the leadership that he brings into the room. Uh, one of the best performing players for the Leafs during the regular season. And then in the postseason. I thought he was consistent on a night in night out basis. And basically what this comes down to is who else are you going to find at 750 K that's going to give you what Spezza is able to give you because there's not a lot of guys. You're going to find maybe a younger guy who is less proven, who, you know, maybe Sheldon Keefe doesn't have as much faith in the bang for the buck is there. And as far as, you know, dollar for dollar, what this guy is able to give this team on a night in night out basis He's one of the best value contracts on the team. Very happy to see him back next season. And even more, Kenny, even more of a steal. The guy produces. The last two seasons with the Leafs, he has 25-plus points. He had 10 goals this year. It's not like he's like, you know, oh, here's a goal and seven assists, but it's okay. He's just there for, you know, bolstering the leadership in the bottom six. Yeah, emotional support in the locker room. Like, he's still producing, and he's like 38 years old, and... And I absolutely love this signing. It was imperative because it's going to be an absolute yard sale this offseason to, you know, shore up and, and touch up the bottom six. That was essential and needed to get done. And I was waiting. I was actually on the golf course when I got that news and celebrated as if they, you know, were back playing game one of, of uh, the regular season. Like it was just like, yes, thank you. So this was a uh, less well done duty. I got to be honest. It was kind of underwhelming for me just because I felt like this was going to be the, the case all along. Like maybe I shouldn't have taken it for granted that Spezza was going to resign at league minimum and they was ready to come back for another season. But I always assumed that this would be the case based off his performance, based off the way they played. Obviously the organization <laughs> likes him. The player likes the organization. I just felt like he was always going to come back. So I wasn't surprised to see that. Doesn't make it any less essential, though, for the Leafs to find these veteran guys who are willing to come in on lower contracts to play for an established organization and try to fill out their bottom six to make a run next season. Because with uh, so much money tied up in the top four forwards of the lineup, it really doesn't leave a whole lot of wiggle room to fill in the other gray spots in the lineup. And certainly getting league minimum players, finding guys, whether it be in the KHL, who are willing to come over uh, just as free agents and sign on and see if uh, they can make a crack at it in the NHL, or whether it's through the draft, which 
The Leafs have a depleted amount of draft picks this year after all the moves they made at the deadline. I believe they only have three picks in this year's draft. Those are the three ways that you can find value players. So I would expect to see Nick Robertson have a more defined role coming into next season. Uh, obviously, I had a difficult start with the injury in the first game this year. And then I would expect Dubis to be uh, hunting in the bargain bin to try to find some more crafty veterans who can come in at 750k to a million dollars to help fill out that bottom six. And maybe likely not the same guys that were here last year. Right. And it's certainly a common thread between veteran guys who grew up in the GTA. They want to live and play here and win here and and do it in in a in a frugal way because they know, you know, it's just the game it just changed so much in terms of, of the cap flexibility and that's just a, a good veteran move from from Spezza to do so. But for other guys, like a Zach Hyman grew up in Etobicoke. This is a guy who's still very young and he deserves a payday. And, you know, he finished off this year making just over 2 million with the Leafs. I think this guy's going to be making north of 5-5, to be honest. And I don't think the Leafs are going to be able to do it. And we were talking yesterday on the phone about a potential haircut, a hometown discount. Yeah, but it's also like we said the same about Connor Brown, right? And look what he's doing now. He's thriving in Ottawa. He's got a, a gold medal on the international stage. So I think for Hyman, it's like, well, if we can't work it out, I love it here, but I also deserve a whack load of cash given what I've done for this organization for the last couple of years. So I think this might be the final days we see Zach Hyman in Toronto. Let's preface this discussion by suggesting this isn't just coming out of thin air. Uh, James Myrtle wrote an article in The Athletic I believe it was written or published yesterday anyways, that he doesn't believe based off the conversations that he's had with people in the Maple Leafs organization, that there have been any concrete offers to Zach Hyman or that the organization is going to have the ability to bring him back based off the amounts that he will command on the open market, which he suggested in the article based off comparables and prior contracts over the last several years and style of play and, age and all these things considering considered production should be like you said around six million bucks for zach hyman as a free agent on the open market now whether or not his value is hurt a little bit because of the flat cap remains to be seen and whether or not a team is willing to fork over the dough because a lot of his production has been playing on that top line with austin matthews and mitch marner which you can rack up a lot of points passing the puck to either of those two guys, whether it be secondary assists or whether it be, you know, just finding those guys in the slot or them finding you in a preferable situation where you're going to have the advantage because you're the third option on the line. So nobody's really looking towards you. There's no discrediting what Hyman's contribution to this team has been over the last several years. He's hard on the puck. He's one of the few guys who seems to win every one-on-one puck battle in the corner. Uh, He's physical. He's an essential member of that line. But the question now for the management team is, can we go out and find a guy who may be a little bit younger, who's a little bit more cost-effective, who can play a similar style of game? He doesn't have to necessarily be putting up as big of numbers as Simon, but he needs to be able to you know, basically retrieve the puck for his two teammates who are going to be on his line in Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. And likely you can find a guy who's going to be able to do that for a little bit cheaper. And this is the reality of the Maple Leafs cap situation now is that they're going to need to find discount players to fill out the rest of their lineup because of the top guys making so much money. 
unfortunately for players like Zach Hyman, who are entering unrestricted free agency, or I should say, unfortunately for the team rather than the player, because the player's about to get paid. Congratulations to Hyman. He deserves every penny, but it means that key players in your lineup are going to be, uh, are going to have the option to leave, to go elsewhere, to get paid more money where the organization is going to be able to afford that in a flat in a hard cap league. And ultimately I happen to agree with you. If you're getting starting to sniff around anything North of really 4.5, which is a significant drop off in pay from what Myrtle's reporting. I'm not sure that Toronto can even look to be extending this guy. If you want to look back at how the Leafs acquired this guy, it was a steal in and of itself. Like June of 2015, they traded Greg McKegg. Greg McKegg, who never really found his role in, in any NHL team. We got a, a, a conditional seventh and Zach Hyman, who was a stud in Michigan. But again, it was like, okay, who is this guy? And you guys know the rest. I think out of the, of the I'm going to key in on four guys, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Hyman, two of which were drafted and groomed by the organization. No, sorry, three of three or four were. Hyman was actually drafted by the Panthers. But Hyman and Nylander actually did some time with the Marlies. Marner and Matthews obviously didn't have time for that. I think out of the four, Hyman has been the most successful student, if you will, under Babcock and Keefe collectively. And he's done everything. Virtually, like he, he's given his heart and soul to this organization. And it sucks the past few years how it's worked out. And I think I think he's going to move on. I really do. I think regardless of even if he wants to stay, his hands might be pushed. Like yeah. if, uh, if yeah. you're talking about you know a five million, six million, seven million dollar gap in pay over a five year contract, like these are short areas in your career where you have the opportunity to get the bag. And Hyman deserves, after the last several years, the way that he's played for this organization to get paid. And to go and you know test free agency and see what his value is, uh, I also think with a player like Zach Hyman, you know we talk about it all the time. Age is a consideration because if you're going to be giving him, he's likely going to want some term on the deal. This guy doesn't play, you know, they aren't easy miles. These aren't highway miles that this guy puts on his bodies. Like these are city miles. He's going in, he's crunching bodies, he's fighting for pucks every single night. And that style of play, as time goes on, starts to wear down your body faster than you know, the style of play where, of the finesse guys who aren't necessarily as physical on a night-in, night-out basis. So you have to be careful when you're signing players of Hyman's caliber to longer-term deals once they start to get a little bit older in their careers because the body can start breaking down and they aren't simply going to be as effective. Um, I do agree with your point about... Hyman being one of the most, uh, I guess, uh, one of the success stories mm-hmm. uh, for the organization's ability to develop talent and develop players who are going to be effective NHL players. And no doubt, Mike Babcock was very, very vocal, even primary to really the media and the fan base and everybody jumping on Hyman's bandwagon. Babcock was, he was one of the few players that Babcock consistently pumped his tires. Him and Brown. Uh, yeah, Always. on a night in night out basis. And, he plays the game the right way. He's defensively sound. You can count on him in key situations. Um, one thing I would be concerned about as well as uh, the organization or even an organization that was looking to sign him in free agency are the is the history of injuries to the knee. 
you remember in the postseason a couple of years ago, I believe it was an MCL sprain. And then again, this season during the regular season, he missed the last, I don't know what what the number exactly was, 15 or 20 games with an injury to the same knee. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the advances of medical technology make these recoveries much faster than they used to be in in a past life, but still something to be concerned about. Um, as these injuries continue to now to sort of pile up and you wonder if you know that knee is going to be the same moving forward, even if he's wearing a brace or whatever, and how that's going to affect his mobility moving forward. These are all things that you have to consider when you're looking at signing a player like Hyman to a long-term extension. You know where I could I see know. him ending up? Like uh, somewhere like Edmonton. Yeah. Edmonton like dr- dramatically needs help on that wing. Uh, next to either Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. This is a guy that would fit in perfectly. It's a similar sort of style of play that to Toronto where he can go in, get the puck, and if he can get the puck to 97, then good things are going to happen. Uh, Edmonton, obviously, with a lot of cap space heading into this offseason, I feel like this is a player that this is a play that would make sense uh, for the organization, certainly, if they can get him at a good price point, uh, depending on how much they're willing to fork over. But you know, there's certainly a number of teams that would uh, will be lining up for Hyman services moving into the offseason. It's just a question of, you know, who the highest bidder is and what's what's most important to him. Is it fit? Because if it's fit, then it could be Toronto. If it's the ability to win, I mean, you can debate whether or not Toronto gives that opportunity based off their postseason success. But I think most would agree that the players in that room believe that they can win. And whether or not they can execute it remains to be seen. Obviously, we're a little bit sour after the last shortcomings of uh, the last several playoff defeats, but that doesn't seem to be affecting the perspective in the room, at least in the post at the postseason availability. Everybody's saying, you know, we believe we can win here. So that's that's the situation there. And then there's uh, the money, the money part of it. Uh, is money most important to him? Is he going to try to cash in on his big opportunity of hitting free agency? And those are really the three considerations. And if it's fit and ability to win that are most important to Hyman, then I could see him re-signing in Toronto. But if he wants to get the bag, then I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be on his way out. Yeah, and obviously we've seen a ton of shrewd and thrifty cap management from Dubas and company. So if they can pull it off, great. I know we're talking like as if we're sending him off and you know, set in sale. But I mean, look at whoever, whoever does get him, like you're getting a multi-tooled guy. This guy also writes children's books. And <laughs> he's just Under, I think underrated he's just asset. all around. Yeah. He's just an all around good dude. Like if, if everyone's down in the locker room, it's like, let me just pull out one of my uh, seven published children's novels and uh, get the guys going. <laughs> somebody, somebody tweeted out that MLSE should just give Hyman like a massive, massive contract to write children's books for them. <laughs> just like sign it, sign him to like a ten million dollar deal or something. To he needs to side scratch. Books. Yeah, just as a just as a little bonus. And then uh, you can maybe get him on a more affordable contract if you could get him on that side hustle. Obviously, tongue in cheek because that yeah. would be tampering and very, very against the rules. But I had a, I had a good laugh about that. Uh, it's uh, the old like uh, NCAA, NCAA playbook. Just uh, a Corvette shows up in your great aunt's driveway. And it's like, oh, where'd that come from? My pops just absolutely adores the guy. Like every game we watch, he could put the puck over the glass. I'm like, ah, you know what? He worked hard on that shift. It was a good It was a good minute 15 shift. It's fine. Like you'll go to bat. And I'm sure many do. 
but you know, I've never seen a, a, a fan like pump his tires more than my dad. It's actually crazy. I would venture to say that Zach Hyman is probably one of the only Maple Leafs that had still a very positive approval rate in the postseason and after the regular season they had. And even after losing in the postseason, uh, there's a handful of players on the roster that you can say, I like their effort, game in, game out. Uh, Brody comes to mind as one of them. Uh, Jason Spezza, another. We obviously know William Nylander. And then certainly Zach Hyman, I believe, is probably in that conversation as well, just for what he brings in a game in, game out basis. And Toronto fans are going to miss that if he leaves. But I, I like you said, I don't want to feel like I'm just pushing this guy out of town. Yeah, He's you. a very important part of this part of this organization, part of this group over the last several years. But I'm mentally preparing myself for the future without him. Me so too. I can be emotionally prepared when the free agency comes that he he could be signing elsewhere. Well, I'm trying to prepare for a little patio action today, Kenny. I Have think you? I forgot how to socialize. So hopefully I. Uh, Hopefully, I get it get it going earlier this afternoon to be ready. Yeah, we've been firing it up uh, quite quite late nights over at uh, the other spot. We've been doing a two a.m. close on Friday, Saturday, so uh, it hasn't been super busy. So I'm hopeful that they'll dial that back a bit. The other night after my shift, I actually went to a patio in the East End. It's called the Queen's Head. It's kind of a little bit of a hole in the wall bar that stays open super late, buddy. The tweakers were out on Queen Street. There was people like crackheads fighting in the streets. Oh my god! Just like arguments. There was you know people just uh there, there was gentlemen there who were trying to talk to every woman and then getting very upset when the people didn't want to talk to them anymore. I was just like my god! Like the nightlife in Toronto is solo, back. Drinking his IPA, just taking it. Hey, you got hey, you got dinner and a show. I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, certainly. Uh, also, just ahead, like, <laughs> I, I know you're going. To, you said you're going to the patio. A lot of well-respected places. This won't be an issue. But depending on where you're, where you end up, I would watch out for the draft beer lines, and that goes for uh, all our listeners as well. It's really difficult right now to find, you know, companies who are going to be able to come in and clean those draft beer lines as everybody's trying to get it done. And a lot of places are just going to try to save the expense and just. Uh, get a couple get some dollars rolling in under their yeah. belts so uh it might be a prudence decision to go for the can and just grab a glass at least for the first couple of weeks here until uh everybody can get their systems all in check i know that we cleaned our lines personally but i would not be surprised at some of these other pubs that uh, haven't been open in quite some time if they just let uh they just let them sit for basically the last five months and now they're just firing them up well, I was actually planning on going to the porch on King. So I was just going to go for five minutes, get the appropriate Instagram pic, post it, and get out of there. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah, I think uh, there is an obligatory Instagram pic. Although <laughs> I, I didn't post the other day uh, at the patio that I was at. I feel like it was <laughs> it was as You didn't go then, man. Come on. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a Pixar, it didn't happen, right? Is that what yeah. they say? Yeah, exactly. Come on, you got to hey. show it off. Anyhow. Uh, thanks for listening to episode 55 of Leaf Spot on the Hockey Podcast Network. Toss us a follow on Twitter at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at Leaf Spot, at HockeyPodNet. And we'll catch you next time.